is episode 29. How are you guys all doing? It's your boy, Mr. Drew, on the quick check-in. You know what I mean? We haven't got Miss Lou here today because uh, schedules are a bit difficult. It's a bit hectic around these parts at the moment. She'll be back. She shall be back on her rightful throne soon enough. So yeah, just a quick check-in from me uh, to talk about people that have passed away recently. But above all, we're going to focus on DMX because I think that's where the majority of the the interest is where the biggest reaction has been and not surprisingly because he was really someone who made an immense impact on on the world of rap music and if you look at the charts on on music at large so going to talk about what his death means the reaction to it also where he stands in in the pantheon of of uh, rappers and, um, yeah, let's get into it, man. So on the 9th of April 2021, L. Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, passed away. He had been rushed to hospital, I think, a week earlier after collapsing at his home. Uh, he'd gone into critical condition in the ICU. We saw all the social media posts, which didn't look good on, on Instagram and on Twitter, etc. Prayers up for DMX. Hoping he pulls through. It wasn't to be. And, yeah, eventually he... He passed on to to the other side. I want to talk first of all about the music, because you know that's what the podcast is about. We want to give some some respect to this guy because here's someone who achieved something that nobody else in his field did. First five albums of his career all went to number one, and when we say that, obviously within the context of when we talk about number one albums us charts right the billboard charts so it's dark and hell is hot my memories of this album i was in college at the time me and the boys used to ride around uh rocking this album hard i would say that was one of the most impactful albums in hip-hop history does it make dmx one of the best rappers of all time I would say not. But without doubt, It's Dark and Hell is Hot was an album which just knocked people sideways. And I think it turned a lot of people onto hip-hop who maybe weren't into it before. And it definitely reinvigorated the genre. If you think back to that time, you had a lot of great rappers around. Your your Camerons emerging, Noriegas, etc. But no one really came through like a bull in a china shop and just distorted the whole scene like DMX. And I would say for a period of time, maybe 12 to 13 months, am I being stingy? I don't know. But for that period, he was probably the biggest rapper in the world. Unfortunately for him, there was a guy called Jay-Z who also happened to be active, (laughs) very active at the same time. But... They were both out of Def Jam. They were both big personalities. And he was someone who, although he didn't have the the same business sense and he was distracted by a lot of things in his life, unfortunately, which we'll get onto, there's no doubt that at that point in time, he was was just as big as as Jay-Z. So he did have another six albums in total. So he talks about It's Dark and Hell is Hot. There's a couple of things I just want to touch on with regards to, to why that was so important and why it was so different and why it turned so many people's heads. The number one thing was his obsession with dogs. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it. 
not even Snoop took it this far. He's very much someone who uh, was a bit of a, a loner when he was young. I read his autobiography and he was someone who struggled with, with a lot of demons, as has been documented. And so that was the, the kind of prevalent theme throughout his career. And it was so, so heavily pushed from the first album. And everyone knows, everyone knows, stop, drop, shut and down, up and up, shut. Rough Riders Anthem. It's a song that will never die. It's a song that will just ring on forever. You'll see hip-hop compilations, you'll see commercials, people go to parties, you know, 50 years later and they'll still be rocking that song. It introduced us to the Rough Riders family and he was ahead of that family in terms of successful acts but he was also someone who brought a lot of attention to a young emerging producer at the time who's very exciting called Swizz Beats and that Rough Riders anthem. I don't care what Swizz does for the rest of his career and we know he's done a hell of a lot and we know he's a true producer goat in hip-hop and we know he's broken boundaries but he'll never have a song as important as that. It's just a stadium anthem. The other thing was this element of prayer that he brought to hip-hop, which is really unusual. Talking about someone whose lyrics are less than uh, flowery, right? He's, 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 let's put it bluntly, he's promoting violence, he's promoting the street life, he's promoting all kinds of things that you won't want to play in front of your kids. But something that was very powerful and I went to see him in concert it was in London South London and he took the audience by the scruff of the neck in between all the hype music and settled everyone down with a prayer and I've seen footage since of, of people calling him up and uh, on Instagram and him praying over the phone uh, a lot of people made reference to it it was very unusual he had this really strong faith now you have to understand his background and what made him the way he was. Yes, he made some awful life decisions. And I don't, I'm not one of those people who says, oh yeah, but, but it's because, no, there's no excuses for, you know, basically ending up being arrested 30 times in nine years or whatever it is. He got, he, in your 50s, in your 40s, you got, you got to learn from that. At some point, you got to say, look, I'm going to take responsibility. But I do want to talk about his upbringing. He was essentially raised by his grandma. Yeah? So, dad not around. Mum not around because she couldn't cope. So he was raised by his grandma. So that song, Miss You, that he did with uh, Faith Evans, he dedicates to his grandma and he's telling her the story of, of how life has panned out for him. He was in a correctional facility at a very young age. A very, very young age. Like before double digits. He had drug addiction. And as I say, he made a series of awful life decisions. That meant he wasn't the greatest father. He wasn't the most dedicated husband. Um, Fifteen kids from nine women. Tells a tale. I don't want to dwell on that. That's just to... That's just to Paint a picture of a guy that, you know, he had his flaws. <laughs> Goes about saying, that's probably an understatement, he had his flaws. But yeah, focusing on the musical impact, that first album, see nothing like it. I think, musically, he gradually tailed off 
album by album. The material got weaker. The Flesh on My Flesh, Blood on My Blood, released a year... No, not even a year later. I think it was six months later. This is another amazing thing. He he released albums at a really rapid rate for the first four or five recordings of his career. So he had It's Darker Than Hell Is Hot in May. And then before the end of the year, Flesh On My Flesh, Blood On My Blood came out. Again, straight to number one. The albums, as I say, the, the material, the quality of the material, the levels weren't weren't maintained. And then there is X. So subsequent albums... The Great Depression, 2001. 2003, The Great Champ. 2006, three years later, Year of the Dog Again, which is his last significant album. So we can at least be thankful that, although he died relatively young at 52, we did see him at his peak, and his peak was a long time ago. Let's be let's be clear about that, because... Musically, you know, we always want to see the best of of the artists that we love. And in this case, I think we did. There was another album, Undisputed, uh, which came out on Bloodline Records. That one wasn't so successful. That was 2012. He battled with a a series of of, uh, personal demons in a big way uh, as he got older. But you got to remember people for, for the good times that they provided. And I purposely didn't want to release a pod talking about DMX and <laughs> the good and the bad side um, so soon after his death. I did want a period of reflection and also to, to, to be a bit balanced about it. One of the most extraordinary <laughs> memories I've got is of uh, his single, X Gonna Give It To You, becoming like this commercial hit. So again, it was one of those songs that was like, you know, it's it's aggressive, it's hardcore, it's street, it's it's raw, and intended to be so. But it somehow caught the imagination of some advertisers somewhere, and that is, if you look at the numbers, if you go on Spotify or you know, any streaming channel, you'll see that is his biggest hit by some distance way ahead of, of Rough Riders Anthem. I think it was KFC he used it in an advert. So <laughs> and then he also had the Belly movie. An awful movie. Absolutely despicable. That was a the Hype Williams film that was very much style over substance. But again, people remember him for that because of the, the strength of, of his charisma and personality. I think final thing I want to reflect on is people's reaction to to his death and where DMX stands in in the pantheon of of rappers. Because I've heard a lot of oh, he's truly one of the great ones. Um, he was one of the best to ever do it. I even heard someone say after Puck and Biggie, you know, you've got artists like DMX. I don't agree with any of these things. I think he was one of the most impactful rappers, definitely in my lifetime. Uh, definitely left a big impression on me, as I say, from that first album. And in terms of his style, that hardcore, bellowing, aggressive, in-your-face, uncompromising rap style, great. <laughs> OK, we had it to a degree with Onyx, um, with MOP, but not to the same 
commercial uh, level of success. But does that make him a great rapper? One of the greats? I don't think so. When you look at the undisputed greats, the guys who, over a period of 20 years, have endured. We're going to leave Biggie out of it because, you know, he was cut up short in his prime. But Biggie is an example of someone dies and there tends to be a reaction that people feed into and that's fueled and maybe slightly exaggerated because it's, it's a feeling, it's a wave of feeling that people tune into. But let's let's talk about, you know, if you're talking about greats, for me, it's really simple. <laughs> we always talk about Nas, Jay-Z, Biggie's name is thrown in there, of course. Uh, Tupac, whose memory, like Biggie, although they died young because they recorded so much music, and particularly in Tupac's case, <laughs> it got to the point where people thought he might still be alive. He's releasing so much stuff. He's releasing more stuff than people who have, you know, a twenty year career. So those those four definitely way out of DMX's league in terms of style, in terms of uh, adaptability, um, you know, being able to drop different styles, uh, being able to work with different artists and it just they make it fit. Uh in terms of cadence. Pure rap ability, he's not touching them. DMX is not touching Ghostface Killer. DMX is nowhere near Red Man, Method Man. These guys will never tell you that because it wouldn't be a good look for them, but it's true. You want to go further back? LL Cool J, KRS One, Big Daddy Kane. If you're talking about the top 30, 40 rappers, I don't even think DMX comes close. It's not said to, again, he made a tremendous impact. Not said to make a point that he wasn't important. He was important, but I just think people need to give themselves a bit of breathing space uh, before making big claims like saying he was one of the greatest. Buster Rhymes. <clears throat> when the day comes that Buster Rhymes passes, people will look back at his career. They'll look back at who he's worked with, the hits he's had, the albums he's come out with, the music videos he's made, the different styles that he pioneered. He had that aggressive flow, the fast rapping flow, the, the romantic flow on the records of Mariah and, and uh, Janet Jackson. They'll look back at him and say, I'm pretty sure he's one of the top five. They will say it. But you wouldn't immediately say that about DMX. So, I get it. Some people tune into a rapper and, and that, or an artist, and that artist means so much to them. And it's just a connection they make. And there'll be a lot of people who got into hip-hop in the 90s um, for whom that'll be the case. But I think even for those people, they can look at it in time and say, OK, for natural talent and for all the factors I mentioned, <clears throat> he's not one of the all-time greats. He had a great impact, but not one of the all-time greats. I want to make that distinction. Because we need to salute this man. We need to... Celebrate musically what he achieved. Um, lack of discipline, lack of focus and being overcome by, by these awful demons. Definitely impacted how far he could have gone. But what uh, uh, um, an impact he did, he did make in the end. So salute to L Simmons. 
I would definitely recommend that that autobiography. Uh, I read it many, many, many moons ago. It gives you a really strong insight into why it is he turned out the way he did. His personality, his his um, his insecurities, everything that made him who he is. So do check it out. It's called Earl, the Autobiography of, of DMX. It is a great read. So, who else do we want to talk about? So, DMX, again, he was the, he was the main story in terms of, um, you know, his death. But other people have passed away this year. I just want to give a quick nod to some of those people. So, uh, Shock G, rest in peace. Reggie Warren from the group Troop, the R&B group Troop, also died, I think, in his early 50s. Rest in peace. Bunny Whaler, a titan of the reggae scene. Rest in peace. Mary Wilson from the Supremes. Founding member of the Supremes. Soul legend, I think you've got to say that. Rest in peace. And then one of DMX's contemporaries in terms of you know, coming up at the same time. And he had one of the biggest anthems, alongside Rough Riders' anthem, the song Woe by Black Rob was just... I think back to going to, like, Notting Hill Carnival, that that, that was one of the rowdiest songs a DJ could play. You, you'd need an announcement before you, you put that one on. So he also passed away. I think they're on a record together on Mace's album, DMX and Black Rob called 24 Hours. Um, that's one of my favourite records of, of that Mace album. I'm pretty sure it's, it's the, the first album. Anyway, so a lot of people have passed. Um, I'm always wary of, like, you know, you're trying to grade people's deaths. <laughs> this person's more important than that person. But the reaction to DMX has been so great, uh, unsurprisingly so, that I thought it did warrant uh, some dedicated time um, to talk about. So guys, we're going to be up properly. I just wanted a quick check-in to, to talk about DMS because I should have done so earlier, but I didn't want to do so immediately after he passed. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is music2 underscore our ears. Please ensure you, you like, follow, subscribe. Say nice things uh, about the pod. Don't say nice things about me, but about the pod. And, uh, you know, that's a big help to us. Uh, Miss Lou will be back. I'll be sure of that. That will happen very soon. Uh, as I say, it's just a quick check-in to to uh, address this important... Um, first of all, you know, just to make connection with you guys again, but this is an important pod, just to check-in with you guys. Uh, I really want to address the, the, the DMX story. Once again, uh, wishing peace and comfort to, to the families of everyone who's passed away during a really difficult time, right? You know, it's great. We've got a vaccine and it feels like things are, are becoming um, a lot more optimistic going forward. But the toll has been heavy for a lot of people and for different reasons. So please, guys, stay safe. As I say, make sure you, you follow us on social media. Uh, make sure that you follow me. Mr. Drew, DJ Mr. Drew UK on Twitch. I've got two live streaming sessions. They're mostly R&B focused, but I do pop up with some other genres uh, in between. 
So you can catch me Thursdays from, from 9.30ish uh, on the R&B show, where we do play a little bit of hip-hop as well and some slow jams. And you can also catch me Sundays, 10.30, uh, through to about 1 o'clock-ish. Uh, follow the handle at DJ Mr. Drew UK. Switch on your notifications so you can see whenever I do pop up. And guys, just stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you soon. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.